your brow today takes everything you got Taking a break from brown girl worries Let's all drink up a shot Wouldn't you like to get away? Grab your phone and download the Budge Up Podcast right away So they keep us entertained You wanna be where you can see Problemas are all the same Assimilation where butchers put all the blame You wanna be where you can see Problemas are all the same Assimilation where butchers put all the blame Hey, it's the Butcher Podcast at the intersection of Brown Pride and Assimilation. I'm Kat. I'm Charlene. And we are just past the halfway mark in 2021. And Charlene, this is Episodio 28. I know. So in the past six months, we have just not celebrated, but... Observed. Observed the anniversary six months after the uh, Capitol insurrection. Mm. New Mexico is at 70% vaccinated with at least one shot. Go New Mexico. The states are pretty much fully open, although Texas opened up a little early Hmm. and uh, possession in New Mexico possession of cannabis in New Mexico up to two ounces is legal now at least for over 21 over 21 years old yeah okay so it has been a hella six months right damn I know can you even believe where we're at right now I think sometimes it feels like so much because last year, six months in, we were like sitting in our fucking house without toilet paper. Right. So like now when things happen, it feels like triple excitement level is just out the roof. The excitement level is that I am no longer counting six individual sheets to wipe because that's where we were at last year. Wow. I was actually afraid. And you know, it was one of those things where when I, when we went to, to, go buy groceries or whatever and we bought the 24 pack we weren't doing it because we were trying to hoard we were doing it because we had six asses in our house (laughs) that needed wiping so i was trying to be incredibly cognizant of counting the six sheets and being like that's it if you don't get anything then just shower because we're not gonna go through a whole bunch of rolls should have bought the bidet you know what you're right (laughs) damn it all right. Do you hear the thundercat? I do. It's <gasps> I monsoon said thundercat. <laughs> <laughs> but it is thundering, and we've been uh, we've been trying to record for the last forty five minutes to an hour, um, and dealing with power outages, which has been rather fun. Yeah, having conversation by candlelight, I was yeah. like, oh, we are now in the eighteen hundreds, and <laughs> and I was how spoiled I am by electricity. Um, because I was like, it's getting a little bit hot in here. We should turn on the fan. (laughs) (laughs) But do you, I mean, when the power's out, do you ever walk, you walk into a room and you like flick the light switch, like pendeja, the power's out. So power outages happened in monsoon season pretty regularly in El Paso, at least in our side of town. Right. My mom was always like, vamos a tener velas. Mm -hmm. Like we had Mm -hmm. velas coming out the everywhere which is probably why when our executive producer opens some of the drawers around the house we have like random candles but it's because I'm afraid of the dark and sometimes this happens in these areas so my mom always had velas and so 
Lights out was not that much of an issue. We knew, don't open the damn fridge. Mm -hmm. Walk around with your damn candle. Yeah. And you know what? Entertain yourself Mm -hmm. by candlelight. Yeah. Yes. I, I... True. I don't remember. I mean, like in bigger cities, they have rolling blackouts, things like that. Mm -hmm. I've never Mm -hmm. been through anything like that. But certainly there was always power outages when there were storms. So, um, yeah, you have the emergency flashlights. You have your batteries, you know, which I just realized today we need to get more batteries. And why are batteries so expensive? I have no idea. I'm with you on the expensive batteries. Every so often, I'll just buy some batteries because... I need to do You that. never fucking know when you need that well, batteries. I, yeah, sometimes I will just buy a big old pack because I'm like, okay, you know what? We, we just need it. Like spend the 25 bucks or whatever it is and just buy a big pack of batteries. Yeah, I need, I obviously am at that point in life where I need to just get batteries. Is it like 35 and up you start thinking in these waves oh, of like things could happen so you need to start preparing? Right? Like in my 20s I was like, how come we don't have forks? And now I'm like, <laughs> we need additional batteries in case of an emergency. Damn Energizer Bunny. Whew, it keeps going and going, just like us, just like our episodios. Whew. Here we are, 28. And for the 28th, we have some good stuff going on we for do. Episodio 28. So we'll be talking about In the Heights. Yes. And we'll also be talking about code switching, but beyond language mm-hmm. and then in our guy de nuevo i don't know if you heard this news but this dude who owns virgin galactic kind of went into space ish and mm-hmm. it was like a big peda here in new mexico sonic booms y todo. so let's get started let's in it. the heights in the heights we finally watched it cat and we were able to watch it together which was amazing and what did you think well okay back up a step let's back it up in the Heights was a Broadway musical. Yes. It was written by Lin-Manuel Miranda. Mm-hmm. And it was also in part based on a book. And it's centered around an, a, a neighborhood in Upper Harlem, mm-hmm. Washington Heights, mm-hmm. um, which is like from 161st to 185th, I think, or something thereabouts. So it was a Broadway musical. It was a hip-hop musical, which we don't see that often right Right. usually musicals are very sound of music yeah sound of music (laughs) exactly Mm -hmm. exactly so it was kind of outside of what the norm is Uh, you know I I won't say that he was the first who did hip-hop in Broadway but um, certainly probably the biggest name we've heard about hip-hop in Broadway so it went from Broadway to the movie screen and it was filmed during or it was filmed at the cusp of COVID, if I remember correctly, but they couldn't release the film because, of course, we couldn't go into movie theaters. So finally, we have it available in theaters and with HBO Max. Mm-hmm. Yes. And he he's also, for those that don't know, he also created Hamilton. Right. Which is super popular and also Broadway. and Mu- That's a much more well-known mm-hmm. Broadway work for him, yes. is Hamilton. Yes. So what did you think of it? Now that we've kind of given a little bit of some backstory, um, and I think I will add to the backstory that uh, it's about an area in Upper Harlem, but it's about the gentrification, the assimilation Mm -hmm. of a Latinx community, which is very Dominican, um, Mm -hmm. Dominican Republic heavy in that area in terms of population. 
So looking at those like cross sections of assimilation, of gentrification, of culture, of identity. And before we even watched it, as soon as it feels like the film came out, there was some backlash about the lack of representation of darker skin people, particularly Dominicans. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so before we watched it, we already were privy to some of this backlash and people coming out and saying, what the hell, where's all the dark skinned people? Where's our hint at? Because that is Washington Heights. Right. Yeah. And where are they at? Um, Most of the main characters are light skinned, um, all but one, really. Um, Main characters. Yes. Main characters. Yeah. Where, Where are our people at? If this is about Washington Heights. Where's the representation? So we kind of went in watching it already knowing that this was some of the backlash. Um, Broad strokes overall, I thought it was great because I'm a sucker for a musical, A, love musicals. Um, Not only was it a musical, but you're right, the type of music, like there was that beat in there that was like, you familiar know, our gente yeah. like it's like it's got some rhythm it's got the ritmo in there you want to move you want to dance you want to and the language that they're using was certainly spanglish mm-hmm. which you don't always see language film. and references yeah the references absolutely like there was one p- part um, where they were specifically calling out the Latina people, talking about the Mexican flag, talking about the Dominican flag, talking about the Cubanos, talking mm-hmm. about all of the people that represented this neighborhood. Um, I really liked it. And I will say, um, A, I'm not a harsh critic of film. I like I I'm a, I'm an easy I'm an easy date. I like just seeing movies. That's a thing that I like. The other thing we talk about all the time representation matters it was nice to see some gente it was nice to hear the references and the spanglish it was nice to see the abuelitas and the you know just the way that the neighborhood and the bodega like it was just nice to see all of that and feel all of that and that even the food they were cooking on the stove they didn't name it and they didn't have to you knew there was ropa vieja and you knew they were eating like you knew what they were eating and it, it just felt good um i will also say I've never been to Washington Heights. I'm not familiar with the residents of Washington Heights. I don't know what the makeup of that community should be. So it didn't stand out to me as odd because I don't know any different. So the representation for me felt like it was there because there was all these Latine references and music and ritmo and all of that food and everything else. Um, I I don't think I would have caught the lack of darker skinned people which we can get into why i didn't notice that later but what was your overall take so uh, i loved it overall Mm -hmm. i liked hearing caribbean beats i liked hearing hip-hop that to me resonates a lot of times more than a rogers and hammerstein because Mm -hmm. that just that's not always my thing Mm -hmm. i loved seeing um pieces of New York. I used to live in New York. I used to live on 145th and Amsterdam. So yes, uh, you know, a good 40 blocks south of where this particular um, movie takes place, but I could still feel and taste and man, I just, I I missed the smell and the feel and the heat and everything just so much when I was watching it. And it really felt 
it felt like a lot of things that I had um, experienced when I had lived in New York in the summer, turning on the hydrants to get cooled off, mm. um, the bodegas walking in and feel like they know who you are and what you like to, what you typically like to order, like the cafe. Do you like it with crema or not? Um, what your usual snacks are. I just missed all of that. And I, I felt that so much in watching it. And to, to the, to the piece about colorism, um, absolutely. I, un, you know, a hundred percent understand where, where folks were coming from and saying like, this is not exactly representative of who lives in Washington Heights. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I will say, and one thing that I have noticed is like reception from areas that are not, I would say, heavily diverse in Caribbean Latine populations mm-hmm. or urban, more largely populated areas where there's more diversity. So AKA Las Cruces, right. would they have noticed? Mm-hmm. No, I don't think unless you have lived there or experienced this or traveled, I don't think you would have noticed what this conversation about colorism was about. Right. Um, so that's that's one of those things where I think that level of conversation really missed some of the people around here. Mm-hmm. But to that, I would also say, um, I don't know. It was incredibly popular around the country, right? Like everybody was talking about it in the Heights. And over here in, in our neck of the woods, or desert as it were, mm-hmm. it went in and out of the theaters. There oh, wasn't yeah. that in much a of a weeks. big splash. Yeah. Like it was great to see gente on there, but also like did we did – we, resonate with who who was on the screen did that even make a dent in in our community and that did that felt like a disconnect like Mm -hmm. and whether or not 100 percent, whether or not that was because our own colorism along the border borderland area about Mm -hmm. who and what makes up a new york um metropolitan area population I don't know but it just didn't seem like the fanfare over here was as great as it was in elsewhere like Chicago LA San Diego I would also say we don't have a big like we don't have Broadway we don't have musicals are not part of the everyday culture I was introduced to musicals because my mom would force us to watch the sound of music and the king and I every Christmas like that's the reason I know about musicals (laughs) and to be real hated it um and then as I got older I was like oh I'm gonna force my own child to do this because I do think there was something there that built some kind of a foundation for who I am um and a couple things about that I think I do see where, I mean, if we watched a movie about Las Cruces, for example, and it was, we watched it and there was all kinds of white people and all kinds of people that just didn't talk the way that we do and didn't eat the way that we do, we'd have been like, the fuck? Like, this is not, who wrote this? Right. So I get how people who understand that community are pissed. If this is not a true representation of what that Washington Heights feeling culture everything about that neighborhood is then i get it i get the anger because if we saw that about our own community we'd be like no dude you missed the mark Mm -hmm, so i mm -hmm. get that completely um i didn't fall into that category because i don't know that neighborhood so but i did miss that not enough people i knew were excited about it i mean outside of you and i not very many of us were excited about it um the other thing i will say in thinking about the controversy and and sort of the colorism piece and all of it, we've talked a lot about how there is definitely 
colorism and racism within our own communities, within right. the Latinx community, sure. anti-blackness. We've talked about it. I think, though, one of the main characters in the beginning, her name is Nina, and she is going to Stanford. Mm-hmm. Right, not to give this away to anybody if you haven't watched. I know, my God, alerts. if you haven't, by the time you hear this, it's out of theaters and out, on off HBO Max. So yes, mad spoiler alerts. Um, so she's going to Stanford, and it's very much made a thing that she's expected to be everything for her family and community. Mm-hmm. She's representing them in this status that dominant culture has of an Ivy League university. So she's expected to represent everyone. And I sort of feel like that's what happened in the Heights. Like we have so little representation mm-hmm. that when something mm-hmm. comes out, it has to be fucking perfect for everybody or else we all hate it. And why should one thing have to hold all of that expectation? Like how is that fair? And not that you can't criticize it and not that you can't like it if it really is shit, but it's hard to be everything like if if we only get so much representation and there's only so few people talking and eating and dancing and singing in the ways that feel like home to us it's easy to feel burned when it's not doesn't resonate exactly with who you are to that i would say a couple things um one is in this day and age, largely we should know better. We have grown so much since West Side Story, which was oh, the only other yeah. Latina musical that was turned into a movie, right? Mm-hmm. And in that one, the only Latina person was what Rita Moreno. Right. Everybody else ridiculously played brown face. Brown face, absolutely. So we have come so far from that movie, and I'm not really, don't get me wrong, don't get it twisted, I'm not like comparing them. What I'm saying is, we by now in making movies should kind of know better. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I say this seeing the controversy around, for example, Memoirs of a Geisha, Mm. where it's a Japanese-centered movie where Mm -hmm. they used not n- not very many japanese um, uh, actors, actors in it yep. and that was a learning moment for us mm-hmm. and that was what that came out in 2007 2008 because i was actually living in new york when that came out mm. and had a conversation with a japanese woman about that Ooh. specific movie yeah and let me tell you that train ride <laughs> from manhattan to long island was like getting a learning lesson Mm -hmm. about the differences and why it damn mattered. Right. So that is, you know, 10, 12 years ago, we should know better. And Lin-Manuel, to his credit, acknowledges that he fell short. Yes, at at least that. And I mean, and again, if you're going to write a whole ass screenplay, about a Broadway specific. play about an area. Know the area, right? Know the people. And represent. And some of so, and a lot of the actors got grief when they started being questioned about it because they were like, "Uh, well, we tried," or you know, "Well, there was a lot of backup dancers, and there were, you know, the, there were there, like the people were there," and 
that's where you start getting into who was casting. Right. And and what... But the producers, the executive producer makes the ultimate decision. Yes. Or at least takes the fall. <laughs> I know. Yeah. You, you fall on your sword for this one. I mean, and you start to think about what was your... What is your lens? Mm-hmm. Are you looking at what appeals to dominant culture? Or are you looking at what stays true to the roots of this story? Because my guess is when you're making a film that you hope makes money, you're looking at appeal and not this is authenticity. True. You want it to sell. You want it to sell. I, I totally get that from the business perspective at the end of the day. How many tickets are you selling mm-hmm. in the theaters around not just the country but the world? Um, that being said, um, in just if you're looking at the entertainment facet of it, and I'm not saying exclusive, but just looking at the entertainment value of it, it was entertaining. Right. I enjoyed it. I damn cried. Yes. Okay. <laughs> spoiler alert. I cried when Awelita died. I did. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I knew that feeling. Like right. when you wake up and she's just not there. Yeah. Damn. I- you know, and I guess it, overall, I it was a learning experience for me too because I recognized that I was able to be entertained by this film and hear the hurt mm-hmm. coming from communities that didn't feel that they were accurately represented in that neighborhood. And neighborhoods are, I mean, neighborhoods are who we are. People have great pride in their neighborhoods, and um, I I hear that hurt. I feel that hurt. So this was a a truly a learning experience for me as a consumer, Um, and I hope not only Lin-Manuel, because I do think he has a lot. um, Shit, he's talented. He's super talented. He is super talented. I think he holds the power to transform how musicals are viewed moving forward beyond Rodgers and Hammerstein. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And I think he hopefully is learning from this too. So I've certainly learned from it. I hope as a society we can listen and learn too. Um, Yeah. The last thing I'll say about this is I did look through um, some of the, I did look through some of the, um, reviews that were happening or that had happened uh, not just from like the big newspapers or what have you but from individuals who were doing reviews online and vibrant was a word that I saw over and over and over Mm. used to describe the movie and I'm I'm looking at this and I'm going is vibrant code for like (laughs) the energy and the singing and the dancing that we have as Latina individuals um not just not just for our cultural music, but also hip hop, the just, you know, the vibe that we give off. And I was like, well, damn, does this mean that the burbs are fucking dull and lifeless and boring? Great. <laughs> is it like, is it film code for you're so articulate? <laughs> exactly. So I kept seeing the vibrant over and over. And I was like, that's just a super sweet way of, mm-hmm. of trying to describe the vibe that our gente give off like let's face it the individuals who wrote those and used vibrant are jealous of the kinds of parties <laughs> the kinds of music the kind of food you're opposite everything. of basic white girl exactly exactly like i'll take it i'll take colorful <laughs> vibrant vibrant as it were go be vibrant cat 
<laughs> oh my gatos. You are yeah. listening to episodio 28, which is the July episodio for the Porcha podcast. I'm Kat. I'm Charlene. And for those of you that have uh, gotten lost in the time warp that is a pandemic, we are in 2021. Oh, true. (laughs) Hey, that legit, that happens. I mean, yeah. And we're also in monsoon season, which is why in the background you're hearing thunder, because that's what happens in these parts. And we're lucky enough to have had power through our (laughs) segment one. We tried a couple times, like, we got to your place to do the recording and lights were completely out. And you're like, well, the lights are on. Let's go and see if we can do this. And the lights went out again. But we got it figured out. We're, you know, keeping our velas lit to make sure even if we go dark again, we can have ambiance for you and I in the Pocha podcast. Going dark. I like it. Kat, what are we talking about? Code switching. (gasps) Code sw- what is code switching, Kat? Okay, so have you ever started a sentence in English y lo terminas en español? Mm-hmm. With thoughts family, mm-hmm. with, yeah, thoughts, mm-hmm. actual conversations with family, with people you know. That is part of code switching. Mm-hmm. So changing languages mid-conversation or in an entire conversation, you're going back and forth between languages, not just Spanish. We know that individuals who speak uh, more than one language do this on in New Mexico reservations and tribes uh, in, in, and in Pueblos, um, in the borderland that happens a lot, in, in other like uh, urban areas that happens with folks who um, go back and forth between um, root language and the dominant uh, English American language here. Yes, interestingly, so there are, I, I started looking up the definitions. There are mm-hmm. a couple of definitions which right. I found interesting. One, officially understood as a normal linguistic function for people who speak multiple languages, like you're talking right. about, mm-hmm. or dialects, or even use particular jargon or region specific terms. So you might say something, you know, in New Jersey and come to Las Cruces and people be like, what are you talking about? Or we have a few friends who are Canadian and sometimes they say things, I'm like, I know that's English, but I have no clue what you're talking about. Right. So in Texas or the South, you hear y'all. Love in y'all. in in uh, Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, you hear yins. So yeah, that's that's one part of it. Mm-hmm. The other piece, the other definition, was talking about adjusting your style of speech, appearance, behavior, and mm-hmm. expression in ways that optimize the comfort of others in exchange for fair treatment, quality service, or employment opportunities. Exactly. So that's what we're talking about. Yeah. So we were going a little bit beyond the language, but incorporating it into code switching in different situations. So yes, and to the linguistic part, we code switch sometimes because we're in familial situations and we go back and forth, in our case, Spanish, English with parents, with family. Sometimes we do it, not gonna lie, around other people to ensure that they don't understand the conversation. So like- Oh, I do it with my kids all the time. Yeah, exactly. Our parents, before we fully understood Spanish, used to speak in Spanish to make sure that we didn't understand what the hell they were talking about. Um, I may have shared this before, but I remember the Christmas that we got a Nintendo (laughs) because my grandma was like talking to my grandpa in the back room about no ya les compraron un Nintendo, ni sé ni que no sé que es una un juguete o eso. I was like, yes, we got a Nintendo. Hell yeah. 
<clears throat> so yes and sometimes it's because we don't want the kids to understand and yeah. sometimes it's because you're like shopping and you don't want the other person in the aisle to understand that you're yes. trying to like go to the condom aisle and get condoms whatever it is right mm-hmm. so that's that's part of it and then there's the fit in part like um when you're around the youth Mm. you use more slang because you want to fit in with you know we have teenagers in the house we want to fit in with them so we're going to drop a couple things that are a little bit more you know youth oriented that you should probably not (laughs) maybe maybe not Um, or even when you're talking with your friends and then you're talking with your mom right like i'm not gonna talk i'm not gonna say some things in front of my mother that i might say in front of you you i will you <laughs> that's why your mom says i got the all the time yeah <laughs> but to your point about switching kind of code switching kind of behavior mm-hmm. language or behavior to fit in to one group or another and that was the one that i have been really thinking about lately mm-hmm. and why we do it and i think about it because i code switch at work so when I'm working and doing the work aspect and, and certain people that I speak to, I put on a different voice. I use different words. I don't talk like I'm talking to my homies. Mm-hmm. And I even do this with you around. Like, you'll see me code switch when I go from talking with you when we're on mute to talking to the people on the <laughs> Zoom. And one, what goes through my mind is like, man, does she think I'm being a fake ass? to these other folks who are on zoom with me um and two like you know sometimes you do it as well is this what we have to do as people of color to be palatable to other audiences so yes and that brings up a huge point that has been brought up i feel like during covid um now that we had this different insight into people's homes mm-hmm, mm-hmm. people can't hide you can't code switch your ass out of people seeing your kids you know half naked running by mm-hmm. with grape jelly on mm-hmm, the walls and mm-hmm. all, like you can't hide all of that right and so it started becoming a conversation around professionalism and people just literally didn't have the emotional capacity to get up and put on some shit other than sweatpants sometimes because there was a lot of shit right. going on. Yeah, People you were ha- struggling. You, counting your toilet paper, trying to get groceries delivered or picked up or whatever, trying to teach your kids if you had kids at home. There was a shit ton Having of things going on. Having sick or dying relatives, trying to get people mm-hmm. food that weren't able to get out of their home. Like There was so much additional pressure that people just said, fuck it, I don't care. Oh, the thunder. Thunderstruck. So people just didn't have the wherewithal to even get dressed in a way that we had just accepted as if you're going to be out in the world and earn beyond that minimum wage, you need to be quote unquote professional. Mm -hmm. So there's this whole idea of professionalism and what professionalism is, is this effort to be closer to what the dominant culture finds comforting or comfortable. Right. Right. And we didn't even articulate this because everybody was just fucking doing it because we need a paycheck, we need to pay the bills, we need to survive, we need to try to build generational wealth and all the fucking things. So we're just doing it. And then when we had a minute to pause and say, oh, damn, 
we've all been doing this. So I, I found this very interesting. There was actually an article in the Harvard Business Review from before mm-hmm. pandemic mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 2019 that said code switching in this way that we're discussing, this professionalism, switching of your whole behavior and mannerism in order to be palatable, right, for your environment can actually hinder your work performance, deplete your cognitive resources because you're trying to Mm -hmm, do all of these mm -hmm. other things instead of just actually doing your work, reduce your authentic self-expression, which can be emotionally damaging to your own person and contributes to burnout because you're doing three times the work just trying to be palatable that it's fucking exhausting. It is exhausting. And in the work that that you and I do, without like getting into the specifics, there are uh, in my work life some public officials that I can be completely homey with. Right. And just send, you know, send a text or have a conversation that it's like they understand where I'm coming from. Mm -hmm. I don't need to check my spelling. Mm -hmm. I can use specific words or not i can even go in and out of spanish language and it's fine they they get it and also we're all doing this code switch thing because when the mics turn on and you're in a city council meeting or in a Mm. school board meeting or in whatever everybody knows that you have to put on the voice and speak in a different tone and use different language um to get your point across in a different way. And we're all doing this dance, all of us doing this dance at the same time, understanding that we're having to play these dual roles to get things done. So two things. One, don't say school board too soon. (laughs) We'll talk about it on another episode. (gasps) Too soon, my bad. Um, And two, I've never been on you know mute with you and having a combo a homie combo and then switched to work and been like oh here comes cat's basic white bitch voice like i've never thought that ever i mean maybe you've thought it about me i don't know but i certainly feel the pressure to do that too i do yeah in certain conversations not not everybody not all the time but i certainly feel the pressure in some instances to turn on the be articulate like be you know use your big words and don't go into spanglish and don't go into this is not this is not the time for you to be you this is the time for you to do your job and those are two different things sometimes i'm going to ask you a real world question oh, right God. so do you feel the pressure more and maybe you can't like say my pressure versus your pressure but i am laying all our chips out oh god i am i'm a white passing latina I better take a drink. If you see the two of us standing side by side, like one of us, you'll be like, Calactia, you're Chicana or you're Latine, you know, you're of color. And then with me, they'll be like, hmm, maybe, I don't know, kind of circumstance. What's the context? Hmm. So do you feel more of a pressure as a, as a morenita, definitely of color looking individual to code switch? Um, in, I don't know comparatively, but I feel a pressure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I feel a pressure also as a person whose family is not recently immigrated to, and who 
whose parents, well, my mom had a master's degree. Like, I feel a pressure to be farther removed from that immigrant status. Like, how much farther did your family get you? Like, how long have you been here that you don't Mm -hmm, get it yet? mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How long do you people need to be here before you get it? I do feel that pressure. Interesting. I never, 100%, I didn't think of it in terms of like, uh, how far from immigration status. Mm -hmm. Um, Because that is an interesting piece. Like my mom has recently traveled to go see my brother out of state. And I 100% worry because of her accent. Absolutely. Now, when you see her, she doesn't, she's light-skinned Latina. Mm -hmm. She clocks as white. Mm Mm-hmm. But when you hear her, and she she has openly said, people have asked her, and she says, I, you know, I'm American because technically, right. yeah, she's a citizen. Right. And she doesn't have to disclose where she so was born that from. somebody would ask. I know. And, I, you know, I have gone through scenarios in my head where I'm, like, punching people left and right. Like, why are you even questioning her? Mm-hmm. Right? But it, it didn't occur to me the whole, the, the differences in separation from when you were in mm-hmm. uh, immigration status versus like looks and mm-hmm. clocking you as mm-hmm. um because you can you know i've been clocked as a white lady elsewhere outside of the borderlands but my mom cannot be clocked once she opens her mouth right absolutely yeah which is interesting hard. and and you hear that from the other side too. Like I'm first generation. There's all this pressure. So really, it. I mean, it's everywhere. It's because we're not of the dominant culture mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that there's a pressure to be something other than what the fuck we are, regardless of who, what color, how light, how dark, how long you've been here, whatever the fuck. There's this pressure because you're othered. Mm-hmm. You're just othered. And some of us. I mean, and you're saying yes. I could be clocked as definitely of some color but i'm also not dark-skinned and i certainly don't have the pressure that no you're our right. dark-skinned hermanas have going on like that's a whole different again they can't hide from that shit like people could question like oh is she just a kardashian like tan? <laughs> what's happening oh my god you have a brazilian blowout no bitch it's indigena i don't know like yeah i i think again I feel like we get to live in this little bubble where lots of people look like me. Mm -hmm. Lots Mm -hmm. of people talk like me. Lots of people get who I am and where I came from because we're in this weird space that is New Mexico. And that that, that whole idea of being palatable kind of full circle within the heights is that, you know, part of making a movie is that you're trying to make money off of the movie and i'm not i'm not saying this is right or wrong but do you make choices subconsciously to be palatable to make money for a movie not just in the u.s but across the globe and do you make those decisions consciously because you want to make money true answer is hell Hell yes We're getting in some deep here. Good Lord, Kat. Wow. We, and we just thought the code switching was just going to be about language, but no. It's a lot. It's all the things. All the things. And we're very, for, I mean, and we're very fortunate in our jobs that we do have the opportunity to speak as people of color, to speak as women of color, and to name that when we're speaking, to name that and to call in other people who are 
indigenous who are black who are representing of other folks who don't always get a voice in decision making we are very fortunate that we get to do that because a lot of people have to hide that have to push that down have to really stuff that into a back pocket so they can keep their jobs um i feel like there are times when we don't have to or when we have to you know do some pocket stuffing but for the most part we get to sort of be this is who we are which is very fortunate some deep stuff here but that was on my mind 100 percent, and that's been on my mind greater and greater with the roles that i'm playing um uh, not just in my work life but you know uh, full disclosure, I had um, had some discussions about running for a city council spot here in Las Cruces. Mm-hmm. I opted out for a bunch of different reasons that had nothing to do with being palatable, but that did cross my mind. It's like, when you run for donations versus votes, how palatable do I have to be? That's a future episode because we need to talk yes. about people um, being elected. Uh, I, I would love to talk to you about that because I think that a piece you're not even bringing up is I wouldn't I wouldn't go all out and say that you're like gender nonconforming, but you're certainly not femme. But we need to have that conversation. Absolutely. Because I think that's another piece. I think that's another huge piece. That, that is you. absolutely a piece about mm-hmm. being palatable. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And when it's palatable to be feminine and when it's palatable to be in my case like I don't like a lot of female clothing mm-hmm. and in some instances in my work I've been seen as uh, an authority figure or whatnot because I wear like more male-centric suits because right. that's what I feel comfortable in right and that's what makes me palatable whether I, I'm consciously or unconsciously deciding on my wardrobe that makes me more palatable in certain ways to individuals than it would with you. Well, and people feel the need to classify you. Oh, mm-hmm. you're dressed in this certain way. You're not. You're not a femme, so you must be a security guard. You must be military. Yep. You must be a cop. They have to fit you into this category that makes sense for them because you can't just be you. Yep, that's a whole other level. Whole other of, thing. Oh, whew. this whole palatable. Let's talk about space force. Ooh, <laughs> space force. Space force. Oh my gatos! So you are listening to the Pocha Podcast, Episodio 28. I'm Cat. I'm Charlene. And now, five, four, three, two, one, lift off. Uh, this is your captain speaking. We are now entering <laughs> the edge of space, and congratulations to the newly recognized astronauts on this plane. So, spaceport, <laughs> not space force, but spaceport port is what we're talking about. Spaceport America. So consumerism has no bounds. N- not even space. Not even space. If you have the cashola, the bankroll, the whatever you need to call it, to mm-hmm. open up shop in a state that has a lot of territory and happily for them. Um, space area or fly zones that mm-hmm. will allow you to have a, a space shuttle of sorts lift off, then you can buy your way into being a quote-unquote astronaut. $250,000. So what we're talking about is recently in the state of New Mexico, well, okay, so this story started 20, some 20 years ago when the state invested in mm-hmm. having 
out in the almost out in the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. literally mm-hmm. Uh, a building and a runway and just technology that's available for individuals who have enough money to build a plane that will take them to the edge of space now let's not get this twisted this is not getting a space shuttle and going up and capturing this amazing photo from (laughs) from yeah from outer space we're talking about inner space (laughs) a plane that takes you to the edge of the atmosphere and that's technically when you're at the edge of the atmosphere when you're at the edge of space like technically you are an astronaut hilarious so today uh as it were where when we're recording the first virgin galactic commercial space flight mm-hmm. successfully entered space came back into the earth's atmosphere everyone lived no one blew up there was no tragedy or trauma uh khalid played at the welcoming home ceremony <laughs> it was all a thing um Right, like 30 miles uh, south of Truth or Consequences, New Mexico. Middle of the Chihuahuan Desert. Astronauts were made. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Regular-ass people. Well, okay, maybe not regular-ass people. People one, with oh, a lot of money. Yeah, right. One person with a lot of money and then three actual, like, an engineer, mm-hmm. a, a pilot, a this, a that. Like, they had some certifieds behind them. But some guy who, let's face it, this one guy who had a lot of money bankrolled it. Sir Richard Branson. So this guy who owns like Virgin Galactic, Virgin Airlines, Virgin Music, all of the virgins, he owns the virgins, and he's a knighted dude from the UK, mm-hmm. plops some heavy money down to have, to be the first consumer to go. Not, so like, not like NASA, this was just mm-hmm. bankrolled by this dude, right? Yeah. And basically what this was, was like an hour and change trip. Mm-hmm. That went up and came back, and they hit like Mach three. They did zero gravity for a spell. Four hundred, I don't know even how many fucking miles up above us, mm-hmm. and then came back down. Right. And thank God they landed safely. They were like, fine. Whatever. Yeah, yes. Was great. Sonic booms. All of the things. All the things. I will say, my daughter really wants to be an astronaut. Ah, well like, then I'm not going to poo-poo on this as much. Spa- outer space, she's obsessed with, she has an outer space room, she loves outer space, she loves science, she's all about this. She was very excited about the launch today, we watched the launch, she was very upset at how boring it was. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, that was it? I was like, yeah, babe. Well, and I had to explain, this isn't like TV, she's like, why don't they go to Mars or something? So then we have to have this whole conversation about this isn't TV. This isn't a cartoon. Going to Mars would require this and, you know, mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. the space stations and all the whatever things. And just exactly what you said, the minute someone's able to get to this particular point outside of the atmosphere, they're an astronaut, all these things. She was a little disappointed. I'm not going to lie. Mm. Well, I was too, because <laughs> I, I honestly thought that this would take longer than an hour. And when it was, you know, all said and done, I'm looking at my watch like, have I taken shits longer? Is this is this right, now like, going to be? Thing? I went to the outlet mall in like that amount of time. It How t- the yeah, hell did you go to space? exactly. It takes me that long mm-hmm. to get to my mom's house, practically right. in El Paso. But on you know the other facet of this whole thing is like, man, if you really wanted to go that high, like you could have just had your two ounces of New Mexico possession cannabis <laughs> and a bungee cord, and you would have been 
pretty much in the same spot. Like you didn't have to drop this million D billion D of dollars. One hilarious thing I will say is when they were coming back in re-entering the atmosphere or you know descending they showed footage of them inside the little cockpit plane i don't know whatever it is Mm -hmm. and they're like high-fiving each other and one dude like sticks his leg out yeah richard branson's like grabbing his foot i was like dude this is like a fucking fraternity space trip now (laughs) they're like bro we fucking did it oh yeah bro like a five bring out the shots i mean it really is now it's commercial regular ass people can go to space there was one of the they had a whole like they have their own channel which they navigated this messaging and narrative very oh, well yes very well mm-hmm. new mexico true mm-hmm. and true they had uh the, the little people at their little desk telling the story they had all the videos they were showing richard branson's mother who recently passed it was all very lovely but one of the women who was on there she's um hoping she's a potential astronaut she's on the list to go in flight soon and she was talking about her daughter and mother being in the audience outside being able to watch mm-hmm. the flight take off and and land and she was they were already landing she was teary-eyed she was choked up and she was saying i don't want to age my mother but in her lifetime she's seen space travel be a distant dream, a comic book fantasy turn into people on the moon. Women were not allowed mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. to take part in spaceflight to now her daughter is a potential candidate to go into space in one person's lifetime. That's huge. That is. Super cool. And as much as I make fun of it, that is that person's like story and yes. their you know experience with it. Um, what I did, two things that I did find out of today's, or well, when we recorded this, today's events, one is that, so this pre, this preset video they had, um, with Stephen Colbert, who was doing Mm -hmm. part of the, Mm -hmm. (laughs) part of the, um, anchoring. And then this other young lady who I'm super sorry, young lady that I have forgotten your name, but they had to keep mentioning the state of New Mexico. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, that's right. Because the world doesn't know we're a state. Right. Um, that was yeah. the first thing. I was like, oh, my God, you keep having to it's mention that. I get New that. Mexico. Right? <laughs> the second thing was that um, we're a state that has colonias. Yep. And a colonia is mm-hmm. a place where people are inhabiting. People live there in their domicile. There's no running water. Yep. No electricity. Mm-hmm. There's no, like, paved roads. You really have to have some kind of badass vehicle to get you whoop, whoop, whoop over the arroyos, whatever it is that you live on. Mm-hmm. And yet we have some folks who got this fancy-ass building to get on this fancy-ass plane to take them up to fancy-ass edge. And those two things coexisting at the same time in one, in, in a set of that hour and change that they were up there, in the set of 20 years that it's taken for this to get to this moment, is mind-boggling absolutely some places in our state don't have interwebs we still have reservations in pueblos that again they're like in colonias they they don't have the running water they are missing they are medical deserts medical provider deserts Mm-hmm. And we have we have this guy who's going out there and and living his childhood dream of getting to space, mm-hmm. 
and good on him for getting there, right, on the one hand. And also, like, man, that disparity Mm. is so fucking glaring. It might not be to the rest of the world, but to us living here, that disparity is just mind-boggling. And for a lot of people that don't know, New Mexico is a what they call majority-minority state where most people are not white Mm -hmm. um, or are of latine descent or some other thing that's not caucasian right, right? we're also indigenous a right. giant mm-hmm. poverty pocket mm-hmm. most people that live in new mexico fit into the poverty guidelines for medicaid WIC, whatever you want to call it for some kind of assistance so you're right to have that exists like we're gentrifying fucking the atmosphere now bitches like, <laughs> we have taken that shit to a whole other you want to you want to gentrify neighborhoods new mexico about to gentrify the atmosphere we're about mm-hmm. to blow shit up in the atmosphere that's how we roll and I, i'm not i'm not trying to shit on that that one individual that person who's about to be an astronaut like i'm not trying to shit on their experience or anything like that but i am just a hundred percent being real like wow this dude mm-hmm. owns a whole fleet of <laughs> airplanes and he's coming over here and doing the things and we can't afford to feed all of our individuals in our state. Like, damn, damn. And this is, this is supposed to, like, yes, and we're contributing to this next level or this next era of travel as a state. Um, and also we're anticipating that some tourism dollars are going to come to mm-hmm. New Mexico because of this. But it just I, I just can get over that hump of thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm hoping, I'm keeping my fingers crossed that between the weed and the going to space, <laughs> this might give New us Mexico's some... New Mexico's on the come up. We're about to level up. Right. Let's level up. Let's get all of yeah. our pueblos and reservations and, and tribes. Let's get them to the point where they can yes. have the running water. Ooh, hello, God. You know what bowling. I will say? Mm-hmm. I know. God agrees. Listen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Creator, yes, we hear you. Um, they, I did hear on the announcement that they had the Zia Sun symbol on the spacecraft, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they actually asked the Zia Pueblo for permission yes huge that is important i cannot stress huge how important that is that i thought you know okay i see you at least on a good note i mean giving you all the positive uh intention and hopefully they're they're trying hopefully there will be jobs for people in New Mexico, if, like you said, these things start going well. Hopefully this does help our state to level up. I hope it's not just a false gesture and, you know, something to say on the news that gets good readings or whatever. I hope this is an authentic extension of goodwill that translates to prosperity for the people of this state. And an example, because... For, for context, those living outside of... And shit, some of those who are living in New, in Mexico, New Mexico don't know this, but that Zia symbol, which is on the New Mexico state flag, is a symbol of the Zia tribe that doesn't often... People don't get permission to use their sacred right. symbol on things like shirts and hats and Koozies socks and, and all of the things. and everything. 
Yeah. So I hope that not only this is not just a good gesture, but this is an example of being incredibly, incredibly cognizant of appropriation of an indigenous uh, group of peoples and their culture. Mm -hmm. Like we can't just steal that shit and place it on a damn beer and sell it and be like, all's good in the hood. We're pro New Mexico. No, you really got to go the extra mile and ask those individuals and then compensate them for that symbol. Yes, because now we know better mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and we should do better, particularly by the tribes in this state that have been pushed That are aside. original peoples, yeah. Absolutely. So question for you. Ask. Okay, if you, for whatever reason, luck, someone you know, Richard Bronson knock, knocks on your door and is like, hey, would you take a ride? Here's a ticket if you want to go in October or whatever. Like, would you do it? No. I will throw up all over. People will be high-fiving my vomit in the air. (laughs) They will not go well. That's not my jam. I mean, I would be like, send my kid. She's all about it. Uh, Yeah, no, not my jam. I mean, I think it's super cool. I really do. I think we're already fucking up this planet. We better find somewhere else to live. (laughs) So, you know, just for self-sufficiency, I think it's a good idea. But... No. What about you? You know, not going to lie. If it was free and, and like, you know, no strings attached or whatever, I'd probably go. If it was free. This is not a sample at Costco. It, this, You know what? <laughs> I'm living in a dream world where I can't okay, even yeah. win from right. the lotto. I know. But if I got a free ticket, I'd be like, well, why not? Not so much. I love it. Okay. Here's a cat fact. Cat fact. Not so much because I want to reach the edge of someone's underwear or atmosphere or whatever. I actually like turbulence. And I figure on your way up, you must hit like a little bit of turbulence and get a little. I would love that. A little bit of turbulence? It's a sonic boom. You're leaving the atmosphere. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I would vomit. One of my favorite things about, okay, so Las Cruces, for those who don't know, we don't have an international or even a semi-international airport. We have like a, a little airport where it's like a propeller plane. We don't you have even to have an international Put a Duracell store. in it and you go. <laughs> so we have to no. either travel to Albuquerque or El Paso to go. Now in El Paso, the way the, the geography works is that it's kind of like a little bowl. And when you go into the bowl, there's a lot of swirly McSwirls, a lot of air. So when you fly out of El Paso, you hit a lot of turbulence. Or when right. you're flying into El Paso, you hit a lot of turbulence. That is my favorite part. My favorite part about going or leaving El Paso is like, shit just starts to move. The looks on people's faces. Everybody's getting all sorts of like, oh my God. And I'm like, hit it again. Hit that air. Can we go back and hit that air pocket again like five times? I don't know why. I now. I hate roller coasters, but I love turbulence. I want to start a GoFundMe for Kat. (laughs) To go into space, and I know there's a waiting list, but I really, because I think that we would get some of the best audio mm. from Kat going, a la verga. Like, we would have the best audio if Kat got to go into space. So, Richard please. Branson, if you're listening, um, send me to space and let's send see. This would be great. La pocha. 
My God, I would be code switching in 15 languages I didn't know, going all the way up and hitting every single air pocket I possibly could. Yeah, I would clap. I would wait for you at the bottom (laughs) and clap and cheer and hope you didn't go challenger on me and then (laughs) hope that Khalid was playing at the end. You know, I'd just have it in my AirPod playing, whatever. Wow, AirPod. Wow. Mm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right, here we go. I'm on this. Get me on the list. So what are what is your biggest hope for uh, the spaceport cat? I know you've talked about the disparity, and you know our state is usually at the top of all the bad lists. So what do you hope that spaceport can do? You know, good or bad. I know I just got finished giving a fifteen minute sermon in Pastor Cat style about those disparities, but if we can. No, you can't throw money at shit and make it go away. No, yeah. understood. But if we can move ourselves from relying on, and in New Mexico, most of our budget comes from oil, and mm-hmm. we know that if someone farts and the price of oil dips, like there goes our entire budget for the year, right? Mm-hmm. So if we can wean ourselves off of that, I said weaner, um, <laughs> then and, and move it towards you know taxes and cannabis, and possibly extra tourism, then maybe we can make right by things like the Martinez-Yazi lawsuit that really did point at some gaps of where we're missing in, in educating our kids across the, across the state. Maybe we can move ourselves into actually paying a living wage so that people don't have to worry about things like you get a raise or a promotion but then you can no longer mm-hmm. afford childcare or you're not getting the extra healthcare. help for healthcare. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. That's my hope. That's my real hope about the flight and t- hopefully tourism here. And what about you? What's your hope about this? Mainly now, I'm, you know, cat. She cusses, she belches, <laughs> she has a podcast. Please send her to space. That's my main, <laughs> my main hope right now. Uh, but no, I, I hope that people can, A, recognize New Mexico as a state. B, learn a little bit more about the culture and the people that make up this state. And, and start to see that we, we are untapped potential. The people mm-hmm. of this area are brilliant. They are so resourceful they are ready to be better to do better to have better to be paid attention to to be listened to um so i hope you know we just get opportunity i want us both to get tickets because i want to, i want to when Cat. we hit that wait when we hit that moment we're at the edge of space i want to be like bochas in space <gasps> oh like pigs in space exactly before you try to take me on a spacecraft, maybe we should find, like, we should go to Western Playland and get on Gravitron, <laughs> and you're going to change your mind real fucking quick. Uh, I, for the record, I hate roller coasters. I am not fond of going to amusement parks and going all over the place, but planes and turbulence are my so jam. So actual death is your jam. Maybe. You know? Don't judge. Well, I, That's just I, where we're I, at. I, I'm not judging. I want to send you. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, I'll go. I'll go. I Mr. mean, Branson, you're I'll number go. one, and then my kid, and only because you know she's seven. I don't think she should be going to space right now without her mother, and her mother's not going. <laughs> so when she turns eight, it's fine. I mean, you know, maybe double digits. Uh, fine, 
Now that's probably how long we'll have to wait anyway to get on the list. Oh yeah, for sure. And and to have two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, <laughs> unless you're not telling thing. me something. Psh, man, if you, if I hit the lotto, you know we would be like we would have Bocha Studios oh, we, oh, shining we beacon would have a in Bocha the airstream. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, traveling from yeah, traveling from one border town to another, being yes. like, "Hello and welcome to the Bocha Harlingen, Podcast." Harlingen, Texas. Here we come. <laughs> This has been the Bocha Podcast for July, Episodio 28. And where can folks find us if they're not in space? If you're not in space, you because apparently the reception is terrible. Yeah. Uh, if you're not in space, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, sometimes Twitter. We also have a website and email account. Um, email, you can find us at bochapodcast at gmail.com. And um, yeah, All hit us up. Yes, hit us up. Start a GoFundMe. We'll get to space. But if not, we're just invading your space in between your ears. And I'm Kat. I'm still Charlene. And we'll see you on the flip side. Bochas in space. Space, 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 space.